Welcome to It's Time on CSN International, the daily teaching ministry from the River Christian Fellowship in Twin Falls, Idaho. On today's episode, we'll be listening to Senior Pastor Mike Kessler as he teaches in the book of Mark. Each of the four Gospels has a different approach and different audience targeted by the Holy Spirit. The book of Mark is a fast-paced, action-packed tome focused on Christ's role as a servant. By studying the examples of Christ in the book of Mark, we can learn a great deal about what our life as Christians should look like and the heart of Christ. With our study on Mark, here's Pastor Mike. God's got a real work in your life that he's began and he's going to see it through. And so that's something that he wants to do. And you know, there's always the enemy that wants to stop that. We're going to talk about that in a little bit as we get uh, past this first part of the story here in uh, Mark chapter 9. Last week we left off where Jesus was transfigured before the disciples. Jesus said, some of you standing here will not die till you see the Son of Man coming in his glory. And we remember that Jesus took uh, Peter, James, and John up to a high mountain And there Jesus was transformed before him. The Bible says his garment, his raiment shone brighter than any white that he had ever seen before. Uh, That's going to lead us a little bit into a story when we get up to uh, verse 33. Because in verse 33, the disciples are all trying to decide who's the greatest in the kingdom. And I think it was probably because of the experience that they had back where they saw Jesus transformed. But um, when we uh, really understand that Jesus transformed before them to show him what he was really like. You know, we see Jesus through an earthly body as we look at mostly Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. But you know, Jesus was God. The very name of Jesus back in the book of Matthew chapter 1, it says, And he shall be called Emmanuel, which translated means God with us. Now, if you know that Jesus Christ is God, that is something that the Holy Spirit supernaturally has revealed to you. That is not discerned by just the flesh. It's something that God supernaturally shows you through his word. And again, friends, there's many places in the scripture that Jesus talks about this. We, we remember in John 8, 58, Jesus said, before Abraham was, I am. And um, the verse 59 uh, is what really tells everybody that he was God because uh, um, it says they picked up stones to stone him. Jesus was claiming to be the I am in the Old Testament that spoke to Moses. Uh, And claiming to be God was a capital offense. And so they saw the power that was in Jesus' life, and they just couldn't stand it. Well, let's look at the story today. We find it in verse 14. And when Jesus came to the disciples, he saw a great multitude around them and scribes disputing with them. They was commencing to scrapping, is what this is talking about. Here we find Jesus... Comes up to his disciples. Now, for some reason, Jesus was away from his disciples, his disciples, and he notices that there's a crowd around. And the scribes were were, um, uh, disputing with them. Immediately when he saw him, they were greatly amazed and came running to him and greeted him. And so they were very glad to see Jesus, probably no doubt because of the dispute between the 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 scribes and, and the disciples. And so Jesus asked the scribes, what are you discussing with them? In other words, in, in, in fact, actually in the, Hebrew, uh, in the Greek, this is a little more strong. It's actually, what are, you, what are you disputing about or what are you scrapping about? What are you fighting about over here? Uh, Jesus recognized it, by the way, friends, that there was something going on. Then one of the, uh, from the multitude answered and said, Teacher, I brought you my son who has a mute spirit. And whenever it seizes him, He throws him down, foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. 
So I spoke to your disciples that they should cast him out, but they could not. Now, this is interesting. And probably from what we gather here, the scribes were probably elated that the disciples of Jesus could not cast the demon out. Do you know there are people that want to see you fail? You know that? Your enemy wants to see you fail. Do you know there's nothing that pleases the people at your job anymore than to see you as a Christian maybe say a cuss word in front of them or, or maybe uh, uh, do something that, that uh, uh, some way, uh, they, they just wait for that, friends. Amen? You ever notice that? And, 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 you know, there's a lot of Christians that get really frustrated with that and they just say, well, man, then who can be a Christian? I'm out of here. I know that feeling. I think we've all felt that feeling. And, and, and here you, you see that they were, they, were, they were disputing with the disciples that they couldn't, that, you know, what's the matter with you? You can't cast a demon out. Neener, neener, neener. And you can just see the fight that was going on. And Jesus perceived this and saw this. Now, by the way, friends, Jesus doesn't just show up any old time. He always shows up right on time. He knew the exact moment that he needed to make his appearance with the disciples, with them discussing this issue with the scribes. God knows exactly when to show up for you. Now, you know, a lot of times we say, well, God, it seems like you're late. God's never late. God's got a thing that he's doing. And and sometimes, friends, it is to show us when we feel God is late. Okay, God, I got to pay the rent and I don't have the check. And and we're really worried. And God knows exactly, exactly when to show up. And I believe the reason why sometimes God waits a little longer than we would like Him to, it is because God wants to show us that the answer does not lie in your resources, but it lies in Him. He is your sufficiency. Jesus is all you need. Now always remember that, friends, because oftentimes we get sometimes even faith confused with Jesus. Uh, And you say, well, Mike, it seems to be the same thing. No, 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 listen. Jesus is everything. And and, and again, sometimes we believe in... I've had people worship the Bible, but they don't know the author of the Bible. You know, they'll sleep with the Bible, rub the Bible, kind of like this. You know, you know, it's not a magic book. But the God that wrote these words it was written, had written those words to transform and change your life. Give your life power, dimension, meaning, purpose, friends. Throughout all of eternity, the Bible says you right now are determining your eternal position. Friends, think about that for a minute. Jesus talked about the man that had been given different talents. The different men that had been given different talents. Some he gave ten, some he gave five, some he gave one. But God wanted them to do something with what the, res- the resources that they had. And I look at that and I see that God has given us his word to encourage us and to bless us. A lot of times we think, well, God, why aren't you doing something in my life? I- I'm sure the disciples, here's this guy, he brings his demon-possessed son to the disciples. The disciples can't cast it out. The scribes are going, ha, 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 you know, failure. And the disciples are frustrated. Jesus shows up. Everybody comes running to Jesus. And I can just see the disciples saying, boy, are we glad to see you. We got ourselves a real issue here. Notice. He talks about this demon. This father does. That's in his son. Notice, friends, the violence. Now, now I want to tell you something. Hollywood glamorizes the devil and Halloween and pumpkins and demons and demon possession. 
And they show somebody on TV that's demon-possessed, and they have supernatural, and they can throw fire across the room, and kids are going, yeah, I want that kind of power. I want to get into the occult, too. Well, friends, look, this is a fella, this is a kid that got into the occult. And he got demon-possessed, friends, and it isn't the Hollywood glamorous stuff that you see that's all a fraud. This is what real demon possession does. And notice what it says. Whenever this spirit seizes him, verse 18, he throws him down, he foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. That, That doesn't sound like anything, friends, I want to see anybody living like, nor anybody that you would know. This is why you don't ever want to mess around with the underworld. You don't want to mess around with Ouija boards and tarot cards and, and, and crystal balls and potions and, and, and Harry Potter stuff. Because, by the way, that's just repackaged witchcraft in a nice, presentable American package to slip it into our society. It's what it is. And, and by the way, she makes no bones about it. She tells you what she is. At least she's honest. Listen, this stuff is coming in the floodgates. And you know, one of the things that's really weird, there's a verse in in Revelation that some people believed was almost uncanonizable because they couldn't believe it. And that's that the people during the tribulation would be openly worshiping Satan. See, even people in cults believe that they were worshiping the good side, even though they were worshiping some kind of a, you know, a, a... cow-headed looking thing, they were still believed they were worshiping the good side. But nobody consciously would ever be worshiping the dark side. But interestingly enough, in Revelation it says that they will be, and they felt that this could not be right, and they questioned its, its authenticity that people would actually openly, willfully be worshiping the devil. The Bible tells us, so, but they canonized it anyway. They felt, And now we can see this is the way the world's going. Friends, this is what the Antichrist system is all about. And all of this stuff that we're seeing wrapping up the, the, uh, with the time that we now live in. Well, says this demon seizes him. Notice, he's not in control of his own faculties. It, it, it comes upon him and it controls him. And it causes him to do things that he doesn't want to do. In fact, as we read down here a little bit farther, it says it would often seize him and cause him to be thrown into the fire. He would throw himself into the fire and into the water. It tells me that this, this spirit that would come upon him, this demon, was a, like a suicidal kind of spirit. And so it says, So I went to your disciples that they should cast him out, but they could not. Oh, well, then that explains why the scribes were fighting with them. Ha <laughs> ha. Where's that power now? You ever had people in the world do that? Well, where's your God now? You go through something tough in your life or something that you thought that God would do and he didn't do. And, and you have people come around you that, that want to see you fail. And, and there, there they are. And he said they, they couldn't do it. Now, this father wasn't indicting the disciples. He was just saying they couldn't cast the demon out. And so Jesus answered and said to them, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him to me. Friends, I'll tell you something. That's some great advice. Bring him to Jesus. If there's something bigger than you in this life, bring him to Jesus. Because I'll tell you something. You might come across things in your life you can't deal with, especially issues in other people's lives. You know, right now, as you all know, we live in a society today that's fairly fragmented. We have so many people with their hearts' affections in other things. 
that they, they miss what really life is about. That we find people caught away with their hobbies and with their, with their interests and their educations and, and all these things. And meanwhile, the things that are important in their life are rotting. And I believe, friends, God is calling us back and saying, look, repent and get back to the things that really matter. Instead, what we find is we find things that have substituted that love for God. And sometimes it can even be the knowledge of the Word. I've had people say, well, we're people of the Word, but we don't know how to love anymore, and we're judgmental, and we'll tear you to pieces if we see you do something wrong, but we're of the Word. Listen, friends, the Bible says this in Corinthians chapter 13. He said, if you have the tongue of men and of angels and have not love, it profits you nothing. And though Paul says, I have all knowledge, and he's talking about biblical knowledge, and have not love, it profits me nothing. Always remember that. Love is, this is what God has called us to do. Jesus saw the futility of people. Friends, the failure of people. You know what I think it's really interesting here? That Jesus said, bring him to me. Friends, all I can tell you is this. When you come across issues in your life and they're bigger than you are or you have friends in your life and there's problems bigger than them, all I can tell you is bring them to Jesus. (laughs) Because Jesus knows how to fix them. You know, I want to think that I know how to fix them, but I don't. But I know the one who does. And that's what God wants from you is, is bring them to Jesus. You know, a lot of times we may not completely understand all the issues anyway. You know, nobody knows you like God knows you. Nobody knows the situation like God knows. So you bring him to Jesus and let him figure it out. Well, notice it says, They brought him to Jesus. And when they saw Jesus, and when this demon-possessed kid saw Jesus, immediately the spirit convulsed him. He fell on the ground, wallowed, and foamed at the mouth. Now, uh, actually, I would say the minute that the demon saw Jesus... (laughs) This is going to create an issue here. And so he asked his father, How long has he been like this? And the father said from childhood, And often he has thrown himself both into the fire and into the water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. So again, this demonic spirit was bent on destroying the person. Again, anybody that thinks demon possession is something that's really illustrious as it's been presented through Hollywood or whatever, friends, listen, its purpose is to destroy you and destroy you quickly. All the way through the Bible, we find it. Remember the man at Gadara, we read about him, that Jesus sails across the other side of the Sea of Galilee, and what, what meets him is a man possessed of a devil. Now, one of the Gospels says there was two men, but interestingly enough, there was only one that Jesus really began to minister to, and that was this guy that was, would cut himself. And the Bible says that Jesus cast the demons out of him. They went into the herd of pigs and the pigs all killed themselves. And and and, and the Bible tells us, this man says, Jesus, I'll follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said, you stay here and tell them the great things that God has done for you. So Jesus had this guy actually become one of the the ministers, you might say, of the area. Saying what what God would do for him. This, This is the purpose in the heart of God. Go tell the others what God has done for you. Now, again, this man that was, um, pos- uh, this child that was possessed would throw himself into the fire and into the water. So he was completely out of control of his own abilities and faculties. And so Jesus said to him, verse 23, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. 
Now, friends, this is a, I think this is one of the keys to the kingdom, you might say. It isn't just, well, I believe I'm going to win the lottery. Yeah! But he said, those that believe, all things are possible. But it's, James tells us the reason why oftentimes what we pray for, and it doesn't happen, is because we want to consume it upon our own fleshly or worldly lusts. In other words, the prayer that we're praying is not for the betterment of the kingdom of heaven. The prayer that we're praying is for the betterment of us. And so what does God want from us? He says, I love you. I want to do something neat in your life. And and so when we pray, and we pray for our aunts and our uncles and our brothers and our sisters and our dads and our moms to come into the kingdom of heaven, I believe God honors those prayers. I believe God hears that prayer. I believe God begins to arrange things in that person's life to cause them to turn to Christ. And you know, sometimes God will bless a person that you begin to pray for. A lot of times we think, well, God, I just pray for Aunt Sally. Lord, I pray that you just rain fire and brimstone down on her car. So she'll turn to you. (laughs) You know what? I don't know. I don't know how God's going to save Aunt Sally. But I know this. That as you begin to pray, God will reach out to that person. And it may very well be that God begins to bless them. Maybe God will heal them of their infirmity or something like this. And then they go, I'm thankful, but I I don't know who to thank. And all of a sudden, God begins to deal in their heart and their life a different way. Sometimes when we pray, friends, we have it all figured out how God's going to answer that prayer that we pray. And listen, listen, God's a lot bigger than your ideas of how God's going to do something. So all I believe God has called us to do is when we see the need, we petition the Lord and let God deal with the issue. That's the way we do. The Bible says, again in James, that the fervent prayers of a righteous man availeth much, or a righteous person availeth much. In other words, it moves the heart of God. So letting God be God when we pray, this will do a great thing. And so we're going to get into this in a minute because of how important prayer really is. So he says, if you can believe, all things are possible to those that believe. And I love verse 24. This is so good because I think we can relate with this. Immediately the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe. Help me with my unbelief. Let's read this again. Lord, I believe. Uh, Help me with my unbelief. Do you see this? Friends, sometimes we can say, I believe. And then when it really soaks in, we're going, God, maybe I don't believe it. But you know, the Bible says, if we'll just step out in faith, God will do the rest. And you know, somebody I've talked to before, they said, well, I want to believe in Christ, but I just don't. Just operate then on what you have. Build upon what God has given you right now. You know, a lot of people say, well, you know what? I'll be a bigger and a better Christian uh, later on. No, no. You, You start building right now, right where you're at. And God will add to that. And that, this is the way it is with ministry. You'll, you'll find in your own life that God adds to what you're already doing and blesses people around you and changes their eternal destiny from hell to heaven. Friends, again, you're the messengers of God. This job isn't left up to pastors and Sunday school teachers and evangelists. It's left up to every one of us because you are the pastor. You are the evangelist. You are the missionary on your block, at your work, at your school classroom. You may be the only Christian voice that's left. And friends, that's how valuable you are to God. And God knows who He is calling into His kingdom. Again, who He's reaching out to. The Bible says that He, 
that, that none would perish, but that all would have eternal life. But you know, there's some people that just don't want to hear about God. But you know, even those people you can pray for, and God changes their life. I remember my mom and dad one time, they were praying for this fellow. His name was Red. And um, they were praying for him. And such bizarre things started happening in this man's life. And my parents informed him that they were praying for him. He called him up one day and said, stop praying for me. Well, I like that. Because this person, God, was hot on his trail. See, God knows how to reach out to somebody. He knows how to get him. Well, again, he says, Lord, I believe. Help me with my unbelief. Friends, we all have sometimes waffling faith. We, 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 you know, sometimes on Sunday morning, we'll, we'll be in church and during the worship service and God will be speaking to us and you're going, yes, I can do it. Yes. And then we walk out of church and go, I don't think I can. I don't think I can. I don't think I can. <laughs> we just, we sometimes just get that way. And, and, and I believe the reason why is God understands our frame. You know, we were scraped up from the, uh, we're, we're just walking dirt balls with a spirit in us. God knows that. And I believe, again, as this man was honest with God, he goes, Lord, I believe, but help me with my unbelief. God does. Sometimes we say things like, well, you know what? I want to do that. But I don't have a willing heart. I, I, I don't have a willing heart. Then you know what you need to do? Ask God to give you a willing heart. Really? Yeah. You can ask God to change your purpose, your heart, and your nature. You can say, okay, Lord, I love you. I see the need around me. I see people that I know that are going to hell. And I want to say something to them, but either I'm worried about what they'll think of me, or I really don't want to say anything because I don't want to offend them. So, Lord, I ask you to give me the heart that will reach out to them where they're at so I'll know how to talk to them and tell them about you. That's evangelism, friends. Then it isn't something that you got to work yourself up and, you know, you're over in the corner and you see him over there drinking a cup of coffee on break and you go, <laughs> you're going to hell. No, I mean, I mean, <laughs> I, <laughs> you know, something like that, you know. But, you know, we, we come to the reality that we have a lost world. And people want to bring their issues to people that know God. They brought this demon-possessed boy to the disciples. The disciples couldn't cast the demons out. It gave immediate cause for the scribes who were on the Pharisee sides to bring ridicule against the disciples. Jesus shows up. Everybody runs over to Jesus. And again, I bet you the disciples said, Boy, are we glad to see you. And this father then says, I asked your disciples to cast out the demon. He couldn't. Jesus said, listen, if you believe, all things are possible. And the man says, I believe. By the way, it says he cried with tears. I believe. And then he said, Lord, help me with my unbelief. It tells me a little bit about people that we minister to. It tells me a lot about me. That, that I, there's times when I'm going to have a lot of faith and there's going to be times I'm going to be weak. But he, this man was smart enough to say, Lord, you help me with my unbelief. And friends, this morning, if you have trouble in an area of your life, in lack of belief, you say, God, help me with my unbelief. You know, it's interesting. that we, I've talked to so many Christians and I'll, I'll ask them, I'll say, you're a Christian, yeah. Do you believe that when you die, Jesus is going to take you to heaven? Yeah. 
But I don't know if he's going to help me with my rent this month. Now, I think that's weird. That's Pastor Mike Kessler on It's Time. If you've missed any part of today's episode, I'd like to inform you that we offer It's Time for free as a podcast download in the iTunes store. If you'd like a hard copy that you can keep and share, give us a call at 800-357-4226, and the operator can help you with that. Don't forget, It's Time to Grow. Pastor Mike's book on the Christian walk is also available completely free for you by calling that toll-free number I just mentioned. Tune in next time. For more, it's time. Yeah.